What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Telling you, bro. What's been happening, bro? Uh, not too much. Still hitting more Peggy-O's? Hi, this is Shane Terrio, and welcome to The Riff Raff. Hey everyone, I just want to quickly say thank you for listening. This is my fourth episode of the podcast. I appreciate the support. Thank you for helping spread the word. I've gotten a lot of great emails and feedback so far. It's been nice. I want to give a quick shout out to the good folks at TrueFire.com for their support, Brad and Allie. You can find my first episode with John Oates right now. It's on their uh, online and print magazine called Rift Journal. Really nice section in that issue. If you've just tuned in for the first time, thanks for being here. You can visit me on ShaneTerrio.com or visit my uh, visit this podcast on iTunes, Riff Raff. For my other episodes with Oates, John Schofield, George Porter Jr., there's many, many other people coming up. And if you wouldn't mind leaving me a rating on the iTunes site or a nice review, I appreciate that too. My guest today is guitarist Mike Stern. Mike's been one of my favorite guitar players since, wow, since I got interested in jazz as a teenager. And Mike's been around a while. He, uh, started out with Blood, Sweat, and Tears. He joined Miles Davis Band in the 80s. He's played with Steps Ahead, the Brecker Brothers, tons of people. He's recorded 16 solo records and he has numerous Grammy nominations. I like to think of Mike's playing like equal parts New York City sophistication and then equal parts like Cobra stun guitar player because he can bend your ear with these really hip beautiful bebop lines and his piano-like tone on guitar and then he can turn around and stomp on a distortion pedal and just slay you with these screaming rock ideas and licks and not a lot of guitar players can do that convincingly 
And it's guys like Mike that showed me that it was all right to play jazz and then bend a string now and then and play with attitude. I've known Mike for a while now. I met Mike through his wife, Lainey, who's also going to be coming up on the podcast very soon. So I went over to his place not too far from Union Square in New York City, I don't know, a few weeks ago. And uh, we just sat down and talked, you know, casual. And there's a lot of jamming on this one. I uh, included some of it at the end. So, you know, if you're not into that, you can skip forward. So I'm sitting down in Mike's practice room here. Picture this. There's dozens and dozens of manuscript books everywhere with years and years of solos that he's transcribed and handwritten in his own tunes, too. Everything's written down. The thing you notice the most, though, is this white wall right in front of you that's covered in phone numbers that Mike scribbles down so he can locate them easily. There's all really heavy hitters and some of the most famous jazz musicians' phone numbers all over this wall. It's pretty funny. Mike's old school, I guess. But anyway, I hope you liked this interview. It was a lot of fun. Enjoy. Mike. Yeah, man, thanks for doing this with me. A pleasure. Show me how to play the guitar, Shane. <laughs> yeah, right. I ripped off half of what I know from you, man. Well, yeah. I'm going to rip off all of what I know from you because you're a bad motherfucker. Thank you, Mike. We have to delete that last comment. <laughs> first things that that caught my ear when I was learning because I came from like the Eddie Van Halen Steve Vai days you know yeah and then when I first got attracted to jazz you were like the guy man time and place what was that other record inside outside yeah upside down upside down outside. Yeah. <laughs> inside outside that's right. that was the oh, Japanese whatever. that was the Japanese, Japanese yeah. yeah that was the Japanese no upside down side sorry yeah yeah, no, that's cool. And it was cool most shit. people call it, hey, you know that record you did, Upside Down? <laughs> that's what no, most man. people used to tell me. And I remember, the, I still have those on vinyl, and you had the leather jacket on one of the covers, and I remember when I was going to MI, you did a clinic there. You, I remember you showed up, and I was like, wow, man, it's Mike Stern, and you had the same jacket oh, on of the course album I had the same. And then you signed my gig bag, which I kept for years and years and years, you know. It was like, wow. Yeah, so it's cool to... That's quite a compliment. But, um, but no, what I was saying is the way you have the, the rock phrasing with the jazz bebop chops, that was always caught my ear, man. Your feel. What's well, the same, you've got the same thing. I mean, I, could, I can tell now that we're playing, you know, and I've been checking you out now for especially, well, now it's been a few years, you know. It's yeah. the same, It to me, it's coming from the same place, mm-hmm. basically, which is, um, you know, I hear some jazz lines, really cool lines, and just your articulation, but the main thing is the feel. And that, I don't know, honestly, where... I know I became aware of it um, at some point at Berkeley when I was actually studying with Pat Matheny, and he said, you know, you got a great time feel. And I went, what's that? You know, basically. I mean, it wasn't. I wasn't even thinking about it. But he said, it's something to be aware of and to work on all the time. So we put on a metronome, and he said, you can play ahead of a metronome on two and four for yeah. swing. You can play ahead of the metronome, you can play behind it, and he started doing that, you know, with his notes. And and uh, and, and so I got more aware of, of time. 
it's not always per- I don't think anybody is perfect time you rush a little bit you drag a little bit it's elastic which yeah, I like pretty damn close to perfect time because when we play like a blues or whatever and there's no metronome even you know before I joined in and you're playing just eights man it's so solid you know yeah, well I like to I mean I feel that you know you got the same thing going on so it's a lucky kind of thing but I've also seen people who don't have intuitively great time but they could become aware of it and they get it good enough yeah and so it's really great about music is that like sometimes i remember this great teacher that also i had in boston uh mick goodrick right sure and and he was an amazing player and he said you know uh, your style sometimes and your voice is sometimes shaped by the things just as much of what you can do right as what uh what you can't do is what you can do which is really cool, you know. So I've heard people who don't have amazingly great time, but they learn how to float over the time. Or people that just, you know, they don't right. lock necessarily into it so much. I mean, it's something that everybody tries to do. But don't I, you think there's a the difference between good time and good feel? Because yeah, yeah, time yeah. is like, yeah, anybody can play to... Not anybody, but you know what I mean? Like yeah, the totally. Feel, the feel. feel kind of trumps... And and, and that's where I think it's it's wide open because sometimes I hear stuff that's 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 just kind of uh, kind of not exactly in there time wise, and I dig it. I There's know, something man. about that, and it's also the way you listen to it. I mean, if you listen to it that way with your with that kind of openness, and you listen to somebody's heart right. when they're playing, and that who knows what that's so subjective, I know. and uh, which is beautiful. And so, I mean, I tend to think it's it's really important to really try to listen with with that in mind. And not everybody can do it. Some days you don't feel like listening to this shit, you right. know. But but when you listen to music, really try to hear the effort and the struggle and all that stuff. And and sometimes that's why I think Miles was so was so great was that he was so human at the same time. He missed notes. He'd scuffle. And I mean, you know, playing with him, he used to say that he. Oh shit! I fucked up. You know, he'd, you'd hear him listen to himself. But he was always and, going for stuff, right? I mean, I yeah, always, like... always going for stuff, and and a lot of blues in his playing. But his chops weren't like amazing, right? So he would he would mess up certain things. It wasn't like perfect by any means, and that was some of the beauty of it. You know, I mean, sometimes he'd really he'd really be out. <laughs> and and you can hear it on live at the plug nickel really great records and sometimes playing olio and he's just he can't even remember the you know oh, wow. but but the solo is great the feel is great the whole vibe is great you know so did he ever get on on you to like stretch every night like if you if you play the same solo could he was he was he conscious of that or no he, he just wanted or at first when i played with him he wanted a lot of guitar solos and i was done after the first one you know i played all my shit and he wanted that sounds more. like a dream gig man there's a lot of guitar players who would love to have yeah exactly that. well he wanted a lot and he'd kind of point to me and say, play me some time play me you know he used to call me fat time and and so he he, he asked me to play more another solo and I was like you know Bill is over there you know not playing enough and Bill Evans is unbelievable he's got I mean great yeah. saxophone player yeah. and uh, amazing amount of vocabulary forget it and and Miles loved him I mean absolutely loved him and Bill got me in a band with Miles 
and then he got Skull in the band. Mm-hmm. It was really kind of his recommendation. And because um, I was out to lunch, you know, I mm-hmm. kind of lost the gig. And then I got it back. I, I played again with Miles, and, and Bob Berg was the tenor player then. So it was uh, that was a great experience playing with him, of course. Man, there's one tune. I think I played it for you one time, and you said you hadn't heard it since you played it, and it was, uh, let's see, it's, it's like this. It goes, uh... And this is a Miles tune? Yeah, it's like... Oh, yeah. I think he got... You know, sometimes he would take certain licks of mine or Sko's. And and, uh, and Gil Evans would um, would transcribe them and then make a little tune out of them. And, and then Miles well, you put his name on it. You played some great shit on that. It's yeah. just, a, I think it was Al Foster and Marcus Miller and you and, uh oh, forget it. It's on Probably Skull was on, or maybe it was on Star People or something. It's like... Yeah, it's that. It was so much fun playing with Skull in that band, too. Oh, man, that must have been insane. Because we had actually played in a little band before that, like a, a a few gigs. I wish we had played more. And Skull was always just killing, man. Just killing, like on this... Uh, it was with... Um, what was his name? Peter Warren, great bass player, that was playing at the time with Jack DeJeanette. And, and Skull uh, and myself... And then um, John Purcell was also playing saxophone, and and uh, I forget who was playing drums. It wasn't Leo Mitchell? <laughs> Maybe lucky if Leo Mitchell showed up to gigs. He was he was, he was a drummer <laughs> playing with Chet Baker, but he was oh, a good wow. friend of mine, great drummer. Yeah. No, it wasn't Leo, but I, I forget who it was. But but it was a really good band, and um, and we only played a few gigs. And actually, Mark Johnson said he heard that band, and that's when he got the idea of two guitars. Bass Desires, right? Yeah, yeah Bass Desires. Yeah. He said he got that idea, from, and he told me that. from It was Peter You know, Warren's when I, I was talking to Skull one day, and he goes, we were talking about Bass Desires. He goes, have you ever looked at any of that stuff on YouTube? I go, yeah, I've checked some of it out. And he goes, let me ask you something. Does it look like I'm yelling at Bill Frizzell on stage? Because there's one clip where it looks like he's screaming while he's soloing for him to turn down. He goes, no, man, I was telling the monitor guy to, to bring him down in my wedge. But you can't tell that. One time, one time I was playing with Skull, and he came up to me, he said, I'm trying to work on some stuff in your comp. I told you to stop comping. Oh, <laughs> this, is recent. this is recent. But that's cool, because yeah. you can't hear sometimes yeah. electric guitars like that. Right. You, what are you going to do? you right. got to send up a flare. you got to let a motherfucker know. Right. So that's fine. I was laughing my ass off, because <laughs> he had me loud in the monitors, and I yeah. usually don't. I don't even use monitors. I don't like them because yeah. I think they're de- in some ways they're deceptive. You know, you can be playing at a certain volume, or or you can be playing. Somebody else has 
their monitor loud and they hear you louder than you're actually playing. So they compensate and play louder than, you know what I mean? So I like to minimize monitors. I've never been a monitor guy, mm. weirdly enough. I probably should use them more because sometimes they help if you have a little drums in there because sometimes the the time always feels good to me. But on YouTube sometimes, weirdly enough, you hear latency or something. And... Cause, or, or, or sometimes at a board tape. When you're playing with a board tape, you hear latency. And because you're playing uh, to the drummer in the hall, so you're hearing kind of what the audience see, yeah. is hearing. Yeah. But by the time, but if you don't have them in your monitor, by the time the cymbal actually gets to you, depending on where you're standing, it's actually a little bit behind. And, and you might be feeling like it's on top. You know what I mean? You're playing on top. I understand, but I, yeah, maybe that's a YouTube thing because I've never heard you drag or play behind, man. I mean, maybe you're aware of like some, you know, microsecond or something. Yeah, sometimes I think I play ahead sometimes, when, especially when I'm trying something that I don't know, you know, and I'm like pushing it a little. I mean, that's cool. I mean, fuck it. You know, you try to go for it. You, that's, that's the beauty of I wish I could go for the, all other those ideas and like the way you do, the way you were just doing that. You stuff. got plenty, I, man. You got more than enough. Oh, man. Yeah, it's really great. You know, me and Skull were talking about you today too. Oh, this is man. like I don't know if you want to, but this, yeah, we were saying, yeah, Shane lives out here, man. <laughs> Bad, you know. He's we a great saying. guy, man. He's I mean, I'm really lucky great. to know both of you guys. Yeah, both my guitar. Heroes, yeah. I came from you know rock when I, know. I was little, that was it. And I still really like that record I did with Steve Vai and Eric. You know, right. I just played with Eric. And there's something so expressive about that kind of guitar playing. And yeah. and oh, Steve Vai is ridiculous. He's really a great He's musician. Great. I know he is. Fantastic musician. Just tickets. over just general musicianship is he's badass. And so, uh, and I became more impressed when I played with him, like how where he was coming from, and also he really took care of business. I sent him the tunes, and he knew everything. Yeah. And uh, and and um, Eric doesn't read as well, but he learned everything yeah. right. You know, he's got beautiful voicings, and it's, it was so much fun. I I think the guitar tends to it lends itself towards kind of an appreciation of a lot of different kinds of music sure. right away you might prioritize okay you want to be a you're a jazz player you're like Pete Bernstein for instance is like a but I know he digs other stuff right and Pete Bernstein's an amazing guitar player right. it's amazing he's yeah. a beautiful player and but Jim Hall who was who was coming they're coming from very much the same place I mean that was I'm sure Pete's main cat I actually have this thing where they did something at a lab class or something in at the new school. It's a tape. I still have it. And the two of them played duo. And I, it's wow. so beautiful. It's like every note counts. It's so like, so big ears and like really beautiful. And, um, and but Jim was the same way. He was into everything. One time I gave him, we were kind of tight and, and I would go over there sometimes we play I'm actually on this record that he 
did, uh, and and there's a tune called Stern Stuff that he wrote. Wow, for really? Me. I didn't. Yeah, know that. it's a dialogues. Cool. It's called, and it has different Bill Frizzell's on a couple of cuts, which really sounded great. What was the <laughs> tune off of that? Like, so I can find it, and I'll put. Uh, it's called. Like. It's called. Uh, there's one called uh, Stern Stuff, and it's yeah. called Dialogues on Telarc Records. And it's a okay. great record, I'll find of course, it. Yeah. and the writing. Jim's shit is so clever, man. standards record he said that's beautiful you know I've heard standards before but but I really liked your other one is what it is and it was yep. a record more rock, you know more yep. rock kind of vibe and and, and jazz but that standards of, record is nice man yeah that's but he he oh thank you man but but he uh but he really appreciated the other thing more and then he he started using a harmonizer on his uh on his gigs you know and 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 it was really cool. I mean, he was wide open. Most of those guys were. Yeah, you, know, you were talking about Jim Hall with some, yeah. you know, you said he wrote some killer shit. How about this? This is some killer shit. Let's see. Wow, you can remember. I can't remember that. I couldn't oh, even God. play it. You know, half those tunes I wrote like this. No, this line. Something like that, but you know, but half those tunes I wrote. Oh, that's slow. Really? Yeah, and then when we played it fast, I couldn't play half of it. sucked on that take he said he was had his headphones on we were playing it in unison he said no 
it sounded pretty good to me. I said, let's go and, okay, let's go and hear the mix. It sounded pretty good when we were in the studio. And I said, now solo my track. And Bob went, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that that other tune, chromosome, I don't remember. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I better learn that again because we're playing it tomorrow. <laughs> listening to you the way you articulate and you know I never did so so much slurs I really pick every note but I try to make them sound like they're slurring or more like the way people talk mm -hmm. like we don't accent every syllable the exact same way blah, blah, blah. you know you, you you roll off stuff so so that's um that's kind of important to get in your playing which you definitely concentrate on because you 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 actually consciously say here's a slur and well, here's a yeah, and it's it, cool you get such a I asked Sko about this thing he does you know this that right. thing and he goes well I said well, how, what gave you the idea to do that he goes well it's it's supposed to be like a, a soul singer like whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. and I go wow I never would have got that <laughs> reference but it's cool it's and right. he was trying to emulate a voice with totally. that crazy shit that's the thing what we try to do I mean I try to always get a like a kind of a singing sound and sometimes sometimes I sing what I play I mean I ask people the students trying to sing along with what I play and it and really nail it you know I mean there are times when I sing it sing it before mm. you know when I'm teaching an arpeggio I tell students sing it before and get it in your think head of first. it yeah. think of it on the guitar like that's the other part of your voice and you're trying to make it sing but you're really hearing the notes on the guitar even before you play it and uh and I think it's really helpful somehow. Guitar is really tricky because it's got there's so many different places you can play the same. Yeah. The same. That's notes. why sight reading is such a pain in the ass. Exactly. See, you've got People don't realize that. Exactly. People don't realize that they the do. Piano, know. you got bam. There's middle C. You know? Exactly. So exactly. It's, it's very tricky. It's a maze. And so you know a lot of horn players and and when I was at at music school, you know, they used to always say, "Well, guitar players can't read." And then I think now they're getting hip to the fact that it's a hell of a lot harder <laughs> to do that on other instruments. It is. Because of the yeah. the amount of places you can play the same thing. Yeah. You know, so but you you're to... a good reader, man. You've read through, I've sat with you and played through stuff, and you've read some of my tunes, and they weren't that easy. 
No, I try to. I try to get into it when I was at, at first. You know, it's one thing that I always forgot to mention, and now I'm starting to mention when I'm teaching. Is like how important reading was to me, like because at first I wasn't reading. You know, I, for years I just was a, a ear player and just didn't go to, didn't study guitar or anything, and just learned blues and and rock as much as I could just by ear. And then I got into wanted to get into jazz more, and so then I realized I needed to read and learn where the notes were for the guitar, and it kind of opened up a lot of shit for me, rock wise too, and and blues wise and mm, everything. It's weird the way that works. Yeah, the, yeah. I, I think I read a quote. I think it was Steve Vai that said that if you you your sight reading will open up other areas of your playing that it's, it's totally unrelated, but totally. for some reason it it it'll know, you can use it. Yeah. It's like new vocabulary. I know. When I was learning geometry and trig in school, you know, the teacher said, well, this will apply in other parts of your life later on, which right. is all bullshit. I've never learned. Right. But sight reading, it, it really did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but sometimes it does in a weird way, you know. Yeah, let's play. Let's what do you play. want to play? Like a, you want to play like a minor blues? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I always suck on those, but...
Joe Henderson was right here. He came over to this pad, you know, and I was scared. Sko had just done that record with him. Sko couldn't make some gigs, so I did some gigs at wow. the Blue Note with, with Joe and Dave Holland and Al Foster. And Joe asked me, and you know, some of the guys, you know, more his managers said, are you sure Mike's turn? He plays a lot of rock stuff. And Joe said, don't worry, you know, I've heard him play. And... It went great. The week went great. And I was all nervous. So I said, well, I'm not going to do it, I told his manager, unless he comes over, unless we rehearse. Mm -hmm. And so he he said, okay. Uh, well, he, he called me and said, yeah, we'll get together and rehearse. And then I called Al Foster. I said, I'm feeling better. You know, Al and I were tight because we played right. a month. So I said, I'm feeling less nervous, man, because Joe's going to come over and rehearse some of the tunes that we're going to play. And Al said, man, you'll be lucky. You'll be lucky if he shows up to the gig, man. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, did he come over to rehearse? But he came over wow. like for five hours. Wow. And he looked at some of my CDs, and some of them were him, you know, and some of them were John Coltrane, and some of them were Miles, and some of them were Sonny Rollins, and some of them were all kinds of different CDs. And, and he picked out one, it was a Stevie Ray Vaughan. And I said, Joe, you like Stevie Ray Vaughan? And he said, Stevie, this is after Stevie Ray died. He said, Stevie Ray, man, was a motherfucker at what he did. Yeah, he you know? was, man. So those yeah. guys are all into, uh -huh. you know, ask the, as some of the jazz critics are one way, but you ask some of these cats that are really classic right, they, jazz. Yeah. Like uh, Jim Hall called me one time out of the blue and left a message. He said, Mike, I finally heard a Jeff Beck record, and I gotta tell you, I really liked it. <laughs> well, I wonder what you want to I don't know, but isn't that cool? You know what, man? What Mac told me once, he said, he said he and James Booker did a session for this English record producer, and he goes, "Man, these Booker could con these people out of money." And he goes, "We got this English cat to pay for this session, and we did this session for a guitar player." And he goes, and then Booker, you know, he took the money and he. I said, wow, who was it? He goes, I don't remember, but that dude sucked. You know how Mac talked. And then I was like, man, who is it, Mac? You know, I asked him, he's like, man, I can't remember, I don't remember. And then like about three hours later after soundtrack, he goes, Shazam, I remember that guitar player. I said, who? And he goes, Jeff Beck. Well, different strokes of yeah, different, different strokes. strokes. And also, people get in different things. That makes, I know, love Jeff Beck, though, man. Amazing player. He goes, goes for stuff all the time. Totally, and he's an amazing player. I mean, there's some stuff on YouTube where he's doing, I forget, one of those Beatles tunes, but it's incredible. But he but he gets really nervous, too. Really nervous. And like McLaughlin told me one time, they were doing some kind of thing. And maybe it was one of those Eric Clapton things, and he was... He was standing like at the wall, at a wall, just towards the wall, standing up. And John said, "You already right? said, 
I'm not in control. Every time I lose control, I get I get nervous, incredibly nervous when I'm not in control. Something like that. I don't know if John was giving me shit about, you know, like exaggerating. <laughs> That's books you see in this yeah. room now. <laughs> a you lot of transcript. Yeah. And 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 so uh, ninety nine point nine percent of it I forget, but I can remember this. <laughs> but uh, which is all we and really need. Let's yeah. Yeah. And, and but that's the best shit anyway. You know, what's, but, the, what's the? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. That's it. Man. <laughs> <laughs> but um. But, but uh, no, but I love, uh, to, you know, that vocal kind of sound that a horn has. So, yeah. so I like those lines, and especially saxophone and playing with Bob Berg or Mike Brecker, really. And, and Jerry Braganzi. Yeah. Jerry Braganzi, man, can swing so hard with whatever the situation is. I mean, the drummer could be falling off the, 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 the stool, you know, and, 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 and he could still make it swing he can take the whole band and make it swing so he's just one of those guys that, and he's really precise about it and it doesn't sound it he sounds raw but he he's it's like a classical I mean every note is so the lines are really amazing and so Braganzi I played with a lot and he just kicked my ass but I, I always loved that kind of attitude and the sound that he had and Brecker of course are there any like licks and Randy that, Brecker too that Brecker yeah. Michael Brecker showed you that you remember offhand that you might have adapted for guitar oh yeah well there was this I, I did this once on a, some other kind of website or something but yeah. you know that's the kind of thing Mike would do Just just thirds, and he goes and he. But the first one he goes. So the first two, it's just C C to E flat, D to F, and then E to C sharp. But he takes that down. told me, Mike said, I said, man, what is that stuff you're doing? He said, well, if you knew half of it, you'd think it was dumb, you know? And he'd say, you, you, if you slow it down, it's, you wouldn't be so impressed. But, but so I started transcribing and I was more impressed <laughs> because it's amazing. Yeah. But he used to play it fast as hell. Right. But like one other thing, he, a lot of horn players do, for some weird reason, they do these four notes. They do like a and I guess piano players, it's a certain cell that something is somehow popular. But it's like, a, for instance, if you start in B flat, B flat, C, E flat, and F. Maybe you would use that for an a C or a B flat something. And so you take that, and you, maybe you could go up major thirds with.
just because it's it's a, yeah. a sequence. It'll work if you right. land in the right place. As Jim Hall used to say, it's like almost doesn't matter what you play in between. You kind of it just depends on where you start and where you land. You know, but because he used to like lines that kind of went out and then came back. Yeah, sure. So so there's a lot of options. But one thing Mike used to do is the so it's the same kind of four notes. This kind of cell uh, or shape. But yeah. do it. Move it down with full steps. Yeah. But like. So, or in triplets. I don't know how. That's how fast it would be. So, And then when I realized what it was, it was like, wow. And he thought, well, it's just a sequence. It's kind of, but the way he played it. Sounds it sounds so cool and sad. It sounds so cool. Some things don't sound, even though you learn it note for note, it doesn't chant. But I learned a couple things like, you know, these, those kind of records. Yeah, what is that? It's just like that false fingering thing that sax players do. So in B minor, it would be like. Yeah, but the way you're doing it. See, I would so pick every note, piece. which is not as expressive. You know, in this one of oh, Mike's, I saw Chuck Loeb do this one time in, so with steps, when he was playing with steps, so he had worked it out, so... Uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And a lot of it is because it's phrased across the bar or something. It's like an yeah, 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 he knew all those. And that one, you can, you can, it lent, it phrases pretty good. Well, this I is another you one. Me that one. You showed me that one. Yeah. That's the same kind of thing. No, what's the one you but did? But if you do it, this is actually easier. If we can get lost in yeah, this one. But this is this is a good one because it, it just it's just this. Yeah. But I'm phrasing it like one, two, three. Let's see. Yeah. And it's easier guitar. I always try to do these kind of in position if I, they're possible. Um, I'm getting a thing. I right just now. move it down a third. <laughs> well, you know, that's the advantage. That's that is an advantage for guitar. They may as well take advantage of it because there's so many disadvantages. I remember you telling me Jocko, you know, Jocko was all about feel, you know, the feel he had. And, and totally. He, could you tell me just a couple of any kind of stories or any? Well, he was yeah. always of that, you know, I know you if somebody really wasn't, yeah. wasn't, the feel wasn't where he'd say, man, you know, he'd have some comment. Like, <laughs> man, you know, that cat thinks of, thinks a pocket is some place to put his toll receipts. <laughs> 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 he'd have something like snide. But, um, 
No, he was a big fan of that, uh, of time, for sure. Yeah. And that's why we hooked up good in that regard. I mean, his, I mean, his just, the amount of stuff he knew about music in general, just composition, was just mind-boggling and something for me. Because I think his, his father really got, it, got him into... You know, his, he, he, his father was on the bus when we were touring some. His dad was a singer. And he used to... But he used to listen to some of the... He played me some of these Stan Kenton, like, big band things. And he said, this is... You know, he used to play this for Jock, you know, for Jocko, you know. And, yeah, you know, and, uh, and, and... And the shit was so hip. I didn't even realize it. It was and so... Didn't Peter Erskine play with Stan Kenton? Yeah, but oh. some of those charts were, like, yeah. off the... You know, so he really just great. absorbed all of that. That and, so, and then Jocko used to listen to a lot of classical stuff. He played me some story. Man, this is going to blow your mind. And I smoked some pot. This is back in those days. Mm-hmm. And he knew it was, I was, I, he knew it was going to fuck with me. It was some French composer that I mm-hmm. can't remember. Unbelievable, man. And so Jocko was way into all kinds of music. As a, as a, as a, you know, guy that picked notes uh, for 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 jazz. I mean, it right. was really a lot of it was just organic. You know, yeah. I mean, he knew he a lot it, of yeah. scales. He knew, but not so much horn lines. But he had some cool stuff that he would take with a pentatonic scale and just do different stuff with the with the time or just groups of five or that kind of stuff. So he had a and and the thing is, he was into everything. He was into rock. He was into all kinds of music, and he says it in that movie. He says, and it made me so sad to watch that movie. I saw but, that movie. Yeah, yeah. It's I really, loaned it to Sco, and he said, "I haven't watched it yet." And I know. He like, told me today. Yeah, it'll make him too sad. Yeah. I mean, I was so close to Jocko, and, and the only reason I saw it was because they asked me to be on a panel, you know, with this thing, and so, and I was, uh, you know, did the interview with the in, in the thing, but I that was hard to do. It's just that uh, Corey or one of the one of his brothers asked me to do it, so I said okay, and I kind of went on. There's, there's a little short thing in the movie that I said, but afterwards apparently there's these outtakes where I was talking a lot about Jocko, and uh, and there was some sweet memories. I mean, me and Lainey and him were really we were just tight. She was really good friends with him too. He was just a friend, you know, more than a musician. I mean, believe it or not, and that. As great a musician as he was, I just miss him. You know, I, sure. I went, you know, so I, I, I really, I was really sad to see that, but also, it was great to, that the movie was done so well. I think well. it was, and it's really not, well. It, it's not total dismal, you know. It's like it's it not ends in on any an way. It's, it, they touch on it a bit, of course, because that was a big part of his life. But yeah, it wasn't. He had issues, but yeah. but the thing is. That he he uh, there was so much humor in his stuff and so much in his life and and um, and his dad had the same thing and also um, amazing musical stuff yeah, I wish and, I and beautiful as a, as a, he loved his kids you know that yeah. he, as much stuff got in the way because it was bipolar he had sure. some depression big deal I mean if he had if he had stopped drinking and taken the medication that they have and seen a shrink. He'd still be fine and kicking and double ass more. So it was, it was because everybody's got a touch of that shit. We probably have. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I would have been around to, to see him. I've never got to 
experience that. And so, you know. Yeah, well, it would be great because he would have loved you. I'm oh, telling right. you right now, man, yeah, man, yeah, you're playing the shit. <laughs> because he was more of a fan of Charlie Brent, who used to play rhythm sure. with, uh, with, uh, Wayne Cochran. Wayne Cochran. Yeah. And I didn't know, but he said, man, you got to hear Charlie Brent, man. This motherfucker is sound like... I met Charlie Brent once uh, at West Palm Beach. Art Neville goes, hey, Shane, this is Charlie Brent, man, my friend. I'm going, I just read about him. <laughs> today. And I said, I, I was, you know, I was like so green. I go, wow, man, you're the guy that played with Jocko. You know, something stupid like that. You know, I was like 24. For sure, sure. And he goes, I'm the guy that taught Jocko. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> and then he the next did. day, we did a gig in like Othello, what was, you know, the Steel Pans yeah. guy. He was playing the opening band. I was like, wow, Randy Burns Center. Randy's guys, bad, These too. guys were, I, I Randy can play, day. man. He also flies his own plane. You know, he can be, wow. a, he's a commercial like pilot. Morse, man. Yeah. Well, anyway, man, look, that's, that's Thanks a for book. talking to me. That's yeah, a lot no, of it's shit. a pleasure. Came out. We're going to test it. Well, obviously, if you're still listening, it did come out. We also played for hours and hours that day. There was so much jamming. It was some really great stuff. I just couldn't use it all. So here's a nice little bonus thing for those of you that are interested. It's Mike shredding over a B-flat blues. See you next time.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.